Hello and welcome, fellow awesomeologists, to Awesomeology. I'm Sue. And I'm Ben. And in this episode, we are welcoming two friends. Ah, I should scratch it out and say two family members. They're part of the family, now part of my family. Uh, and colleagues talk about why now is the time for an organization to focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. So, welcome, Danya Dorman and Josh Smith. Um, these are two friends, uh, like I said, family members that I've met through I3 and actually before I3 uh, with Josh at BE. So, um, really excited to have both of you here. Uh, and I'll just turn it over to you to introduce yourself, your credit union, uh, and uh, we'll go from there. So, Josh, why don't you start? All right. Thank you, Ben. Uh, so, yeah, my name is Josh Smith. Uh, I'm uh, responsible for our advocacy work at Schools First Federal Credit Union out in California. So uh, when we say advocacy here, we, we look at it as really not just advocating for our credit union or the credit union movement, but how do we create advocates amongst our team and members and, and hopefully elected officials. Um, uh, to, to better understand really what we're advocating for and get them excited about it and have them join us. So, yeah, great to be here. Awesome. Thanks, Josh. Danya. Yeah, thank you, Ben. Hi, Sue. Um, thank you for having me, too. I'm Danya Dorman. I am a part of the Agile portfolio or project management space at Suncoast Credit Union in Florida. Uh, our area really focuses on uh, working with some internal developers for innovative solutions uh, for either some member-facing apps, so that could be our online and mobile presence, or even our internal uh, employee-facing apps like our CRM. Uh, so a lot of innovation and uh, just coming up with some new ideas so that we can best serve internally and externally. So I'm happy to be here. And yeah, I feel like uh, it's a family reunion right now with i3. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of innovation and I3, I'll give just a little bit of background. Uh, our listeners aren't familiar. I3 is the uh, innovation program that comes out of the Filing Research Institute. It's a two-year program that uh, Josh, Tanya, and I just wrapped up our two, actually got some bonus time uh, due to all things COVID, <laughs> right? A little over two-year program for us, but um, super fulfilling and rewarding experience. Got to meet so many great people like Josh and Tanya. And, I uh, learned so many great things, including Filene's uh, innovation methodology and uh, some great connections to amazing people uh, around the country. And I just realized, you know, us, Sue and I being uh, in central Wisconsin, it's actually kind of warming up here now, finally uh, coming up winter. But you guys are bringing the sunshine vibes, California and Florida for years. Keeping us a little warm today, but. Um, yeah, so um, if you haven't heard about the I3 program, we'll, we'll share a, a link to that uh, in the show notes. And they just released the um, announcement for the new wave of I3 is coming in. So, oh man, I don't know if you guys remember that before we before we dove in. We you know, were just so, we, we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into, right? What a, what a cool feeling. But um, so, yeah, well, um, super happy to have you guys here. Uh, can't say thanks enough for your time and I really appreciate it. So Sue, I'll turn it over to you. Awesome. So we're gonna dwell a little bit still on I3 because the last rotation of I3 was a little bit 
a little bit different, right? And sort of how how those projects came to be. And so I'm really I'm really interested in your projects, your group projects from the last rotation. And and any one of you can answer this to explain sort of the difference between the way your last round, last round of projects broke out com as compared to previous projects and where the inspiration for that came from. Sure, I'll jump in. Uh, I think what was different about this last cycle than our first, our first uh, few cycles were very prescriptive. Uh, we got to learn the um, innovation method uh, that Filene teaches, and that was fantastic and great. And I think it really changed our mindsets on how we approach problems. Uh, but it was, I think, a conversation the last time we were able to meet up where essentially we wanted to change the world. Uh, this cohort and class of people are super passionate. I have varied tenures, you know, within the credit union space. And so because of that, because I think of everything else that was going on in 2020, we realized that we had an opportunity to uh, put our stamp on DEI, and that got expressed differently across our three different teams. Yeah, it was it was really kind of just this moment where we all, I think, realized the potential for the first time of what we had learned and what we were what we were capable of as a, a group, um, which what is what made 2020 so hard. Uh, from a project standpoint, because um, while you know we 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 had to work on our projects remotely given our geographic separation, we always did get to come together at the end um, slash the beginning of our next cycle to really like download what the experience had been and and really feed off as Don you know Donya said the diversity of our group you know um, from experience and, and tenure and and so. That I that was a difficult piece to miss in 2020 because I really feel like that's where the rubber met the road for our group. You know, when we got together, it was just sparks flew. You know. Mm -hmm. So for the last cycle, each as as I understand it, and please correct me. Um, so three the group the whole group broke down into three groups. Each one group handled diversity, one equity one inclusion, so a project around each one of those three sort of core concepts. And uh, I'm really interested to hear about your team's projects, sort of some of the insights that precipitated the project and just anything that you want to share. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll kick this one off. Um, so full disclosure, Ben was in my group. So Ben, feel free to jump in and uh, and correct me if I miss anything, um, but you know, I our experience was, um, you know, a, a lot of a lot of I think soul searching and and research, you know, so um, you know a lot of reflection on what it was we were truly trying to under do and and to understand what what exists out there. Obviously, you know. Um, there's a lot of great work being done by a lot of great people. And to try to wrap your head around that from an equity standpoint, which was our group's focus, um, you know, the, there's a lot to, to download from that. Um, and so, you know, when we started looking into it, we realized, you know, all of this great work was, was not the same across the board. I mean, they were there was different focuses and, 
you know, really what came, you know, came to the forefront for us was there's no magic bullet for meeting the, the needs of, you know, improving equity um, for in, in, you know, specifically in the credit union space. And I think that's true in a general sense as well. Um, you know, so when, when we, you know, really started putting pen to paper, if you will, it was, it was how can we help other like-minded individuals at their organizations really kickstart the equity discussion and lead it down the path that's right for their members and their community. Because what's right or what might be an opportunity in, in Southern California might not be the, an opportunity, the, the most important opportunity uh, in Marshfield, Wisconsin. You know, so it's, it's, it's understanding that and trying to just put that research and that um, soul searching that we all did um, to paper. So, anything, say I missed anything, Ben? I think you did a great job. And I think that, um, you know, one similarity from our last cycle and kind of diving into this specific concept and around DEI. Um, was that we we had some trouble like finding ourselves or you know identifying the thing we wanted to solve and there in every cycle there was always like that pivot point right where like either something clicked or some piece of research that we found or data or whatever like guided us down the path that maybe clarified things for us uh, coming up to what we wound up presenting or what our final budget wound up being and how we you know we at the beginning of uh, this equity project, we stumbled upon the postal banking issue and have the possibility of how USPS may be providing uh, uh, financial services, which is just an interesting concept to have any awareness about and wrap your head around. Um, but at the end of the day, like it all, um, you know, spoke to providing access or equitable access to people. And um, so, Postal banking maybe being a solution for some, but also totally understanding that it wouldn't be the solution for others. And so, kind of echoing what Josh said about how um, we really took this direction of let's just get people started because we also found, and you both in our group's experience, but also just hearing the challenges that people were having in their own organizations, getting started down the road of equity or DEI as a whole. Um, the whole thing um, is really, really tough. So like, what can we do to empower anybody in a credit union, whatever level you're at, whatever level of seniority you have, tenure, any of that stuff, like what can we do to provide something that gives people that strength to say, hey, this is a thing we need to talk about. This is a thing that we need to see momentum on. And maybe even more importantly, here are some ways that we've, We've done some things and we can celebrate some success here too, because that's the thing that we forget to do um, in all scopes of our jobs, probably, right? But especially in the realm of like something as monumental as DEI, we need to remember to pause sometimes and uh, remember, hey, we like this is the thing that we did and it created some change, and that's really important. I'm sure, and uh, I'm, I'm sure that the experience of looking at Everything you could possibly do, every you know, every piece you could possibly tackle was overwhelming. 
And that once you start picking, once you start picking apart the different strings that you could possibly pull, you know, you, it, you have to give yourself time to celebrate the thing that you did solve, especially knowing there's this whole other, you know, mass of things that, you know, this is the next initiative. That's the next thing we have to think about, but let's spend the moment on this one thing that we managed to do. And, you know, I think it's so rewarding just to, when we were able to, you know, I mentioned that we were, you know, talking to a lot of folks and doing a lot of research, just, there are some amazing things that are happening um, in the credit union world, not just in the credit union world, but, you know, in our world in general, you know, and, and the effort to provide that greater equity. And that's so rewarding to see, like, the the impact that's happening. I mean, we had an opportunity to interview the uh, chief operations officer from Point West Credit Union. And I mean, it it was it was um, it's amazing just the effort and the focus and 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 how they've really turned um turned them created a culture that that makes their efforts not just okay we got to check the box but it's it's part of their culture and it's what they do and that's that's what they're here for and it was just i mean i that one stands out in my mind as just an amazing story of 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 inspiration that i think is really needed um you know, keep us moving forward. For sure. Well, Donia, do you want to tell us about your a little bit about your group's project and some of the insights that you all gathered? Yeah, absolutely. So I think we had the same experience, right? Try not to boil the ocean. We were team diversity. We had had different um, conversations with some DEI legends. One in particular was um, Maurice Smith, who you know advocated for. Uh, the eighth principle, right, of uh, for the cooperative movement, particularly with credit unions. And it really wasn't until our stakeholder conversation with uh, Monica Davey, who was the director of the Office of Minority and Women Inclusion at NTUA, as well as Kathy Mann. She was the, is the CEO and president of Inclusive. So when we had a conversation with them, we really understood a few things, um, particularly about the NCUA voluntary credit union diversity self-assessment, which is a mouthful. But essentially what we learned was there's a little bit of distrust or um, credit unions don't trust giving their DEI data to NCUA. Uh, NCUA has not had a lot of responses from credit unions. And more importantly, uh, which I didn't know, the relation to the assessment and the Dodd-Frank Act is that NCUA isn't responsible for being the administrator of this assessment, but they are responsible with reporting the state of diversity for credit unions. And so having had that conversation, we quickly realized, let's focus in our efforts on this self-assessment and seeing how we could help NCUA garner more responses. And so ultimately, that came down to a survey, being able to survey credit unions who have and who haven't submitted the self-assessment. And we learned a, a lot of great lessons. One being that credit unions who have submitted this assessment said keep it with NCUA. Uh, they've seen positive improvement with their DEI transformation. They actually are quite further along in their transformation than credit unions who haven't submitted the assessment. Um, but what was funny was those who haven't submitted it, they still look at the assessment about four in 10, review it internally to have conversations, but they don't hit submit. So we were really curious why that was the case. And 
Again, it boiled down to some trust issues, also um, not knowing how their responses would be used, thinking that they would be penalized, um, you know, with future findings or exams. Also, just not having the capacity as an organization to have a resource complete the assessment. So, you know, between that and a few other learnings, um, the assessment definitely looks like it has some intrinsic value. And so we were able to come up with a, a punch list, if you will, of some quick wins, incremental improvement that NCUA could take uh, that would allow them to see more responses. And some included, you know, just leading with the Office of Minority and Women Inclusion rather than NCUA to maybe associate the self-assessment with that office because they really want to be that value-add partner when it comes to a credit union's DEI transformation, um, a peer scorecard because credit unions are competitive and uh, they were more likely to complete the assessment if they knew where their peers ranked. So we gave them a lot of ideas. Unfortunately, they were pretty receptive. So we're hopeful that we can see some progress um, being made because ultimately we're all committed to being able to truly paint the picture of what DEI looks like for our credit unions. Hmm. Interesting. Did you find, did your group find, Dania, that uh, any of the, sort of any of the reporting from credit unions centered around this idea that they were reticent to report things because it, it's, it's sort of a painful self-assessment that if you are, if you feel you're not doing enough, then, and you don't have to admit that you're not doing enough, that maybe maybe it's just easier if you don't. Is that? Absolutely. Yes, we definitely heard that from the responses that some didn't feel like they were ready, that they've done enough, so they would just wait. But the value is just submit because it's more of getting the pulse for themselves than anything. So there's, you know, there's no penalty for it. And you're not, there's no expectation that you have to be at this um, metric, it's all about sort of best practices and, and these collective findings. So yeah, between that and some credit unions felt it wasn't a, a safety and soundness issue, DEI, or they weren't sure what the, the ROI would be. So some of it is a little bit of changing mindsets in terms of what DEI, uh, the responsibility of DEI in the credit union space. Um, but for others, when it came down to just the assessment, there was some, some hesitancy, just, you know, maybe soon. But just not yet. <laughs> yeah, I think that just hearing both of you describe the projects, um, one of the coolest things about I3 um, for me was seeing kind of the different scope of um, change, innovation, whatever that, that was being presented and proposed. I mean, something as simple as team equity, uh, kind of fostering this environment of like, hey, just get started. Here's the tools and resources to do that to um, your team, Danya, like giving feedback to the NCUA, like how, I mean, how cool is that, you know, and just at the, the grand scale of, um, you know, different final projects or whatever. So, um, and and we saw that in every cycle, um, how the, the diversity and solutions or problems that were being presented. One of the coolest things about that three, I think. Um, Danya, you mentioned ROI a bit, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that as a cue to uh, segue and move into uh, the next question, which is, why should businesses be examining their understanding and initiatives around DEI? And some question to that, what, what info can we use to measure progress, performance, et cetera, relating to DEI? 
Um, that's the ROI part, right? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll give my opinion. And I think what we found from our research, and there's a lot of research out there that DEI really impacts a business or an organization's business outcomes. And so, you know, with credit unions, we often look at um, loan growth or asset growth, all of these financial key performance indicators, as we should as a financial cooperative. Um, but if you take a DEI focus, I think that could be a conduit to achieving even greater growth uh, and, and progress for your organization. And so, you know, credit unions were really great at trying to be inclusive and credit unions should be reflective of their communities. So their members should mirror their communities, their staff should mirror their communities. Um, and when you don't, uh, from a financial perspective, you're literally leaving money on the table. Um, but since we're more about the people side than the finance side at times, right? People helping people, um, we're, by not being inclusive and thinking about all of the unique needs that a, a community may have or your staff may have, then we're really leaving people outside just outside of the doors of what a credit union can offer and are leaving them to other alternative, um, you know, like check cashing organizations and all these other services that credit unions can serve and do better. So DEI has to be considered, right? If you want to see some greater business outcomes and if you really want to level up the concept of people helping people, because then you're able to see and assess, well, which people and, um, who and all people uh, and how. And so I think it's just another lens to look through as you develop those KPIs. From a, uh, from a big picture sense, you know, I, you know, and from my world of that, you know, the advocacy side, um, I, I think it's, it's more important than ever for, for us, for the, the viability of our movement um, to, to embrace it. I mean, it's, it's, it's in our DNA. It's what we were, you know, I think Donya put it great. You know, if we're not embracing it, we're leaving people outside. Credit unions were created to bring people in the financial, you know, provide them those financial services they were being denied. And, um, you know, just perfect timing, you know, this is uh, GAC week and we're up there advocating for our movement, trying to help uh, elected officials and our regulators um, see that we're making that difference we we talk about and that you know we we reflect on as part of our history that we're making that difference a reality today um, and that's so important because um, if if we don't embrace that difference and we don't make it a reality then um, really what are what are we advocating for? And so from a ROI, I would say that, you know, it's something that needs to be embraced if we're, we're planning on being here, you know, for, you know, future generations that, that will need us. Um, and we need to continue evolving in how we deliver on that promise. So let me play devil's advocate just, just for a minute, okay? So you have me, you have me convinced. I'm, I'm in your C-suite and you, you guys have me convinced that there is ROI, that there's a good reason to do this. So um, I have decided that we need to address it in our hiring. We need to address it in our service practices. And then we have checked the two most important boxes and we are done. What would you say to me? 
I would say that you're not done. <laughs> Think again. <laughs> because, and that was one thing that we, we talked about with our project, right, is our fear is that credit unions would approach DEI with a check the box mentality. Right. And it's, we want to go from this transactional mentality to a transformational mentality where it's this continuous road to um, getting better, doing things differently. And really, I think it starts with the end in mind. So a credit union needs to envision what does a more inclusive, equitable, um, diverse, fair, just credit union look like? And now what do we look like today? And wherever those gaps are, just identify them and take them incrementally, break it down. Um, and, you know, at that point, sure, if you want to check off milestones, that's great. But you're not checking off the box that um, you've done enough, because as soon as you've done enough, you just hit the minimum. And I don't think credit unions want to settle for the minimum. I, I would um, I would add to that that, you know, it needs to be part of the culture. It's not. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I, I hate to sound like, um, you know, a, uh, a fanatic when it comes to credit unions, but it is what it is. Um, we love fanatics, Josh. Okay. <laughs> you know, our, uh, again, our, our, our historical promise as credit unions is in, you know, is, is directly aligned with that effort to bring DEI, um, to to our members and to our teams, um, and and when you when you embrace that credit union culture, I I I've seen it, and we've heard it from others that it does foster this ongoing desire to be better and replace what's great with some you know with something better, um, and uh, to to steal a phrase, and um, you know I think that that cultural mind shift has to happen for it to be an ongoing uh, an ongoing effort to avoid that you know checking the box mentality yeah there's the the ROI thing right like the the dollars and cents the um you know the the money and business side of it which is it's important you know we're we're a financial institution we you know we need to do things like that to stay operational. Um, one thing that you know we haven't solved yet, and if, if we had, uh, this would maybe be ingrained in every credit union's culture without question, but is, um, and I don't know, I'm totally winging it here, but like a return on like the emotional investment. I think that's kind of like what you're talking about, Josh, where, you know, yeah, we can dedicate resources and people time and all of this stuff to DEI, and maybe we can prove that um, we've opened ourselves to this new group of people that we weren't properly servicing or providing access to before. And here's how you know the balance sheet looks different because of that. Um, that's great, but also like a, I don't know if it's a byproduct or a direct result of those same efforts is this hunger, this cultural shift that happens inside people, inside organizations where. You're, you guys are saying what I'm, I'm saying what you guys are saying, where you, you are constantly hungry to do more, to do better, to be better, to learn more. If there's anything that I've learned through, you know, the last six, eight months, however long it's been since DEI has really been a significant um, part of our conversations 
it's just done that we have so much to learn um, and that can feel overwhelming, but it's also so fulfilling when you do learn, especially when you take a second to step back and like look at how far you've come as a person or maybe how far you've come as an organization. And you can't quantify that with dollars and cents all the time, but it's there and it's real value. And it'll change yourself and, and your organization, your credit union, for sure. Yeah, I think it would be hard pressed to find a credit union or an organization that has had a focus on DEI, you know, has been intentional with their transformational change and said, yeah, that was a waste of time. <laughs> I'm pretty doubtful, <laughs> you know, that that's the case. So it, it does require um, some humility and vulnerability, right? Uh, some crucial conversations that probably aren't uncomfortable, but you know, as, as long as that culture and that commitment to the culture is there, then I think uh, credit unions can make great strides. And, and you mentioned the return on emotional investment. I think that that's, you know, that was a great way to put it. Um, and, you know, we, we rightfully so we, we um, you know, primarily focus on the membership, right? Our members, are they, are we returning that emotional investment, helping them understand why did the, you know, the, the, the greater question of why, why are they with a credit union? But we also have to think about our teams. Um, and, you know, we, one of the, I, I remember, you know, one, a lot of talk about the war for talent. Um, Philemon done a lot of research on that, you know, and, and how important that is and how that's critical to our success as well. Um, this is a great, great way for us to engage our team. You know, it, it's shown that you know, increased social responsibility for lack of a better term or a very broad term is something that, you know, people want to be a part of and, and help strive to, to make achievements in that area. Um, that's a great way for us to connect talent with being part of the credit union movement and helping push that forward um, and, and showing again, yeah, why we're different and, and how you can be a part of that and, and the, the actual good you can do um, with your, you know, your day, your day to day. I mean, we're all excited about it, right? I mean, it's, it's yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, uh, you know, I had no idea what I was getting into when I started, you know, working for a credit union. Um, but I've been here for over 15 years. And I can't imagine doing anything else because it feeds not only the professional challenge, but I mean, it feeds the soul too, you know? Yeah, definitely being purpose-minded. It's just, it just makes sense to work for a credit union, to be a part of a credit union, to um, be an advocate, a champion of credit unions. And uh, like you touched on, Josh, a lot of uh, consumers these days are socially minded. And so they will probably gravitate towards organizations that show they also are committed to um, being socially minded and doing the right thing. And organizations and credit unions who fall short of that will likely see their um, growth or lack thereof, those key, key performance indicators uh, drop. So I'm sure they would be able to associate that back to, well, what was their strategy around DEI? Is, is there a risk that a business has uh, missed the boat, let's say, on DEI and starting the initiative and how could that create negative PR? What, what, what would you say to a, 
credit union that maybe has not started it or is thinking about it and just hasn't for some reason or maybe ha hasn't even thought about it? I would say jump in. <laughs> I think there's probably, it's never too late to get in the game. And just because they may not have said anything, um, maybe on social media or taken active steps and been very vocal with what their DEI strategy um, is or could be in the last year or so doesn't mean that they're behind or that they just need to uh, cancel and call out <laughs> of the game because uh, the game isn't going anywhere. Uh, and I don't really want to liken DEI to a game, but for, for this analogy, um, they just need to jump in and start small, uh, knowing that everyone is on their own journey. And as long as they're um, seeking progress and not perfection, they really can't fail. Um, you know, Donnie, you said everyone's on their own journey, and it's absolutely true. And, you know, that's kind of what we reflected on when, you know, in, in our project. Um, uh, but, you know, going specific to credit unions, I mean, we're built on a cooperative nature. And um, I think that uh, that gives us a competitive advantage when it comes to implementing and, and learning. Um, learning and implementing, I guess, would be in that order. Um, from each other. And, uh, you know, there's great, there's, you know, we all had the chance to, to talk with uh, leaders within our, our movement that have embraced that and the willingness to just share insights and knowledge. I mean, that's, that's a great opportunity. So, you know, I think that there's a value to saying, you know what, we haven't, we haven't, you know, launched our own, but by at least asking questions and learning um, from our colleagues that have, I think there's a real value to that. And it's again, inherent in what we do as credit unions, so. I agree with you, Josh, because words are powerful and messages are powerful. And I think consumers, our members and our employees, they're looking to leadership to say something mm -hmm. and to say, we're looking into it. We, it's on our roadmap. We're in the, pro in the process, whatever the case may be. Sometimes you have to uh, express the, your, your intention at some point because, like I said, members, employees, they're, they're eager to know. Yeah. And, Danya, you have uh, led me directly into our next question. So thank you for that very smooth transition. Anytime, anytime. Well done, well done. <laughs> <laughs> you are officially a plant in this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> As long as you indulged me playing devil's advocate again, let me let me uh, put on that C-suite hat again. And, uh, you know, last year into the summer after George Floyd was murdered, we saw a lot of really great examples of, you know, even large multinational companies um, stepping forward, having statements and um, really making DEI a big part of the conversation. And I think that put a lot of smaller organizations in a place to make a decision. You know, if we, are we, are we Coca-Cola or are we, you know, the tiny little mom and pop shop and what, how do we step into that space? So let's say I'm back in the C-suite and I say to you, you know, nobody's asking us to take that stance. Why should we do it? Why should we be vocal about our stance on DEI? What would you say to me? 
stop it, right, Don? You'd say stop <laughs> arguing. <laughs> I, you know, honestly, I would say just because people don't ask you to do the right thing doesn't mean you should not do the right thing, right? And um, to quote a good friend or family member of ours, he said, people will forgive a bad decision. They won't forget indecision. And that fine person was Ben Bauer, who, who shared that recently with us. And so, um, yeah. You might have to cut I, this and edit this was, because I lost. That was a virtual mic drop. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, boom. <laughs> I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. That's okay. You were in the zone. Yeah. <laughs> ben is that inspiring that after I quote him, there's nothing more I really can say. <laughs> Josh, do you have anything to add? No, I, I I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, yeah, it's. I'll, I'll leave it at that. So um, any final thoughts on, you know, thinking of our, our audience of credit union people, business people, um, any final thoughts to leave with uh, our audience on, you know, anything they should be thinking of if they're considering leading a DEI charge in their own organization? I would just say there's a lot of information out there and it can be very overwhelming. Um, and as someone, you know, just speaking for me personally, who who has really tried to focus on uh, listening and learning um, over this period of time. Um, and uh, it, it, the, the, the journey is, is, the journey is so important. It, it can't let yourself <laughs> feel that You'll never understand. Well, let me, let me back that up. This might need to be cut. But I'm, Did we I think, say we were cutting things? We're not cutting it. Okay. All right. It's well, good to know. Good to know. Uh, all fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I would just say there's a lot out there and it can be overwhelming. But to focus on the learning and the listening, the results will come from that. Um, if you're if you're purposeful in those actions, um, and uh, again, just uh, there is so much good information out there, um, and, and things will open your eyes, and and then and then at that point, the innovations and and the actions will will bubble to the surface. Nice. I would add to that um, again. Think about the end. The, the end goal that you're trying to achieve, what that vision looks like compared to your current state and and identify those gaps and take it step by step, knowing that there isn't an, an exact science, this is an art, uh, and not to compare your credit union to another credit union because there are a lot of different dynamics at play. So really uh, be intentional, um, be reasonable, give yourself some grace and some space uh, because it's okay to fail. As long as it's not catastrophic, that's what our CEO says all the time. Um, but know that from maybe those failures or even um, wins, there's always a learning that can happen. So as long as you take the learning, apply the learning, and again, seek progress over perfection, then it can be achievable. And like Josh alluded to, uh, rewarding as well. So we encourage you guys to, to take the jump, take the leap, and, uh, you know, see where it goes. Excellent advice. Love it. Oh, so 
as this brings us at the conclusion of that wonderful conversation to our something awesome uh, segment and in our something awesome awesome segment or awesome segment <laughs> we like to offer some recommendations it nothing terrifically formal um, always great if it relates to the topic but also anything that sort of lights your fire you know our whole uh overarching theme of our awesomeology podcast is informing what you're doing making other people's lives better by the things that inspire you so i hear a little birdie told me actually that big fat birdie that was outside my window earlier told me then that uh, you had something awesome to share i do have something awesome to share and i would normally love to take this opportunity to talk about something just outside of what we do credit unions work marketing all that good stuff but um, it just fits so well with GAC week and this topic, this conversation we just had about DEI. Um, and um, uh, just something awesome I'd love to share is just a little bit of um, info on Samira Salem, who is the VP of DEI for CUNA, uh, who we were able to interview as part of our project, which was just another one of those awesome conversations and big bright minds that we got to meet as part of the IP process. So a uh, little plug for her, she has a session at GAC. Uh, that's on your calendar, check out her session and we'll share that uh, in the show notes as well. Maybe you can catch a recording of it or something. Um, but um, she has just uh, been a great um, source of inspiration for me on uh, maybe some ways to pause and reflect on some great things that have happened, some awesome things that have happened. and. Uh, recently, she mentioned um, things like the network of Latino CU professionals, uh, CU Pride, uh, CU Women's Leadership Alliance, uh, the partnership that CUNA and the AACC are growing, working together on the scholarship program. And, and then that's like before any great examples of stuff that leagues are doing. Um, and this is all just so like recent and big, cool stuff that's happening in the last year, maybe less, right? Um, so like right now, let's just take this tiny second to just pause and like think of all of those groups and what's happening, the conversation, the change that's happening in organizations um, because of George Floyd, because of our ability to talk about George Floyd, our ability to have these conversations that are, you know, as Vanya mentioned before, maybe can be uncomfortable. Um, as we're all learning and stuff. So um, I think there's just so many great examples. Uh, I mean, this conversation that we just had, like I remember when we were talking about, you know, what do we need to do in the realm of DEI, you know, back in May, um, a real thought I had was like, okay, how do we how do we do something or talk about something that this isn't gonna just be that moment in time where, okay, a couple months goes by and now we're not DES anymore. So like, I mean, it's it's March of 21, y'all, and like we're still talking about this stuff. So now, of course, talk needs to turn into action, and you know all of that uh, for sure. And and we're getting there, right? And I feel like I can say that like with real belief behind it. Like um, there are there are people, there are organizations that are really really making like visible and tangible, and maybe even like financial impact on um, on change and. It's a beautiful thing. It's it's so awesome. So that was maybe a little extra awesome that I didn't mean to go into, but the specific something awesome is Samira Salem uh, 
Google her name, VP of DEI at FEMA. She's, uh, I'm sure there's plenty of footage of her being interviewed out there while talking about the great work that she's doing through FEMA. Um, and I but that's all just uh, great stuff to, to pause and celebrate. Excellent. Josh or Danya, anything you want to share with the audience? I'll jump in. Uh, yeah, since it is in honor of GAC week, uh, I had the privilege of attending the virtual uh, African-American Credit Union Hall of Fame induction ceremony, which is typically a part of GAC. I'm a member of the AACUC, the African-American Credit Union Coalition, and so I was able to help volunteer and organize that this year. And uh, since I've never attended GAC, it was a really phenomenal experience. And just to hear there were five inductees uh, last night, um, and just to hear their stories, hear what they've accomplished, and uh, know how they led with courage and conviction. It was just super inspiring. And it really led me down this rabbit hole of, you know, your, I'm sure when they did these things throughout their career, they weren't doing it to be a part of a Hall of Fame. I don't even know if the Hall of Fame was even established when some of them were in the prime of their, um, their careers. But, you know, it got me thinking your legacy is tied to the impact that you've made and your impact is tied to the decisions that you made. And those decisions are tied to your beliefs and your purpose and your passion. So it just sort of underscores if you're, when you're living in your, you know, like your purpose and your passion, I think that's like the ultimate sweet spot. Then there are some amazing things that can come from it or we're the theme of this show, some awesome things that could come from it. So I'm hopeful that uh, any listener is really, they're aware of what their passions are and able to fill out their purpose and um, just know that awesome things are ahead of you. Very nice. Josh, what about you? So uh, to kind of piggyback off the awesome things are ahead, uh, uh, you know, I think that, um, you know, the last year has for us all you know, we've been talking professionally, but personally, there's been lots of challenges, right? With just the environment we we're living in, and um, you know, it's I I have been able to start, you know, seeing that light at the end of the tunnel. Um, that you know, as the the pandemic and vaccines are rolling out, you know, things are getting better, and that's that's awesome. Um, you know, and uh, you know, I was. Just going to share, you know, that, you know, I, my son, he, he plays uh, ice hockey and the rinks have been closed for over a year um, now. And uh, they finally are starting to allow them to come back out. So I got to spend Sunday watching my son get back on the ice. Um, and uh, it was just it reminded me of, you know, we've had so much time on our hands. Um, you know, with, during this pandemic and you know, like from a personal standpoint and a lot of us, you know, wondering what the heck we're doing with those hours. Um, it's good to be back uh, and, and creating those, uh, being able to just have that sense of normalcy and embrace how awesome normal can be um, in terms of our, our personal lives. And then I was also going to give one one other thing for anyone that's that's really struggling out there. And I've been barking at Ben about this. You got to watch Ted Lasso <laughs> on, <laughs> on, on Apple Plus. I have to give it. I mean, it was one of those things that uh, 
yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I didn't realize I needed it until I saw it. Um, so, you know, uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that, but highly recommended. <laughs> uh, and, Very good. And we'll have to check that out. Because just won a Golden Globe, right? So, so now it's like I, Josh has been hounding me, but now I have like the Academy or whoever picks those awards. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, the whole right. is legit. Like you got to watch. Yeah, if, if I if the Hollywood Forum Press, uh, you know, is it, it, what it took to get Ben to actually say, you know what, I'll, I'll give this show a shot. But yeah. uh, and what he doesn't know is actually Josh recommended it to the Hollywood Forum oh, Press. Nice. He, he mentioned it to much, them and they said, yes, let's give it a Golden Globe. So, hey, advocacy, it, you know, <laughs> all aspects of life, right? So, um, so yeah. Very good. Great recommendation. So we have a whole bunch of links that we can share below. A number of things people can check out and some different resources. This is your uh, regular reminder that you can find us on your favorite podcast app, or you can always visit our blog at exclamationqso.com slash blog and hear all of our episodes. Awesome. Just a last huge thank you to Danya and Josh for joining us. Uh, awesome conversation. Great seeing you. Great hearing you. Um, really appreciate your time. Uh, this is Sue and Ben, your self-proclaimed professors of awesomeology, reminding you that life's awesome if you make it awesome. We'll see you next time.